My name is Joe Toscano, and I have a confession to make. I'm addicted to emergency medicine, but I'm in love with urgent care. I've been doing both for almost 30 years, but this isn't about me. Over those years, I've been privileged to work with and meet many of the people and personalities who have formed and shaped the specialty of urgent care medicine. For a long time, many people have felt that their voices and experiences should be made available to anyone and everyone practicing urgentology. Well, now there's a chance to do just that in a series of podcasts that I hope you'll enjoy and learn from. Thank you for listening. It is my great pleasure today to be introducing Kyla Haurish and Janae Walsh from Dabham Urgent Care in Texas. Um, they are two nurse practitioners who care quite a bit about the specialty. I got to meet them at the Urgent Care Association convention in Las Vegas in April. We talked about some things that I think really need to be elaborated upon. And so they were gracious enough to, to grant me some time to interview them. So why don't we start off by each of you, um, just tell us a little bit about your background, how you came to urgent care. So my name is Janae Walsh. Um, I was a nurse in the hospital setting for acute care for about 10 years. And I did everything from um, med surge to telemetry to step down cardiac ER house supervisors. So I kind of got a, a pretty wide um, view of care in the hospital. And then once I graduated um, as a nurse practitioner, I definitely wanted to be out of the hospital and keep patients out of there as well. And so I started some of my clinical rotations in urgent care and kind of fell in love with it. And I've been here now for um, over four years. That's great. Yeah. My name is Kyla Harish and I am from Canada, and I my background is all in pediatrics, so pediatric NICU, emergency, just general peds, um, anything pediatric. And then I moved to Texas and wanted to do a little bit more, so I got my nurse practitioner and started working in urgent care. So great. That's great. How long have you been about practicing urgent care? Uh, over seven years now. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, I, I know uh, we've talked about a lot of things up until now, but I think we need to let our listeners know about your perspective on nurse practitioners and PAs in urgent care. Yeah, so I think um, one of the things that I appreciate about nurse practitioners and PA in urgent care is that it's okay to acknowledge that we might come in a little bit weak in terms of skills, whether that's or getting something out of somebody's eye, whether it's a foreign body or whatever it is, I think it's okay to acknowledge that there may be some weak areas. But one of the great things I think about nurse practitioners and PAs as well, but I'll speak as a nurse practitioner, is that I think we're kind of trained to know we're going to constantly be learning new things. Every day as a nurse, you're kind of coming into a new landscape. So um, as a nurse practitioner, I think that we're very moldable. We're very, we're always desiring to learn new skills. We're always wanting to grow our skill set. I don't think I can name a single nurse practitioner that would say, oh, I don't really want to know how to do that. If you teach me how to do joint injections, I will do them all day long. If you teach me how to get a foreign body out of an eye, I will do it. So I think that that's something if medical directors and clinic owners kind of have that perspective then they can really capitalize on nurse practitioners and PAs um, in the urgent care because they appreciate, they want to learn and they want to grow. Um, and we want to give excellent service. So anything that we can do better, we want to. 
That's great. That should really apply to, to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Um, as nurse practitioners, why are you two so passionate about urgent care? I think, and especially honestly, in the last two years, um, I've recognized even more than I did before, just the gap of um, the available health care for people. So, so many people have a difficult time getting into primary care. If they have an urgent need or a acute illness, and they can't get into their primary care doctor or their pediatrician for a week, that's not going to work, you know? So I think that urgent care really fills a gap for so many patients in our community. Um, and I think that as urgent care specialists, we do such a good job of keeping patients out of the hospital that don't need to be there. We do a really good job of knowing, okay, this you definitely need to advance to a higher level of care or no. You really don't. And we could see you again in three days and have you follow up here in the clinic um, and keep them, keep them out of the, the ER um, and kind of help out primary care doctors and pediatricians um, when they can't see their patients. So I think we do a great service to the community. Yeah. Well, in, in some of our discussions, uh, I've heard that y'all at Davum do quite a bit to promote the follow-up care uh, for patients, prevent patients from escalating to higher levels of care unnecessarily. You, you kind of alluded to that. Um, can you explain some of that? Um, I think this speaks to elevating the specialty and, uh, and really goes counter to this trend we're hearing about with the dumbing down of urgent care. I think the more, the more we can do in terms of complexity, but also breadth uh, in helping with those next steps with patients, that's, that's going to secure and cement urgent care in terms of its place in the healthcare landscape and its importance. What are you guys doing there to, that's, that's uncommon or that you find is really, really helpful for patients? I think one of the things that we do really well is we've built relationships in the community with other physicians, with other specialty groups. Um, ortho, I think, is a huge one. Um, but we have relationships with cardiologists. We have infectious disease relationships where um, if we can manage something here in the clinic and we know that this person really probably needs follow-up with a specialist, we're able to message those specialties and just say, hey, what do you think about this? Do you think you can see them in the next couple of days? And I think because we've built the relationship, they know that they can trust the types of patients that we're sending them. Um, is not an unnecessary thing that we're sending them. We're not sending every sprain ankle to an orthopedic. Um, so those patients we can really manage or have them follow up with their pediatrician or primary care. But, but we're able to send them a quick test, text message and just say, hey, can you see this patient tomorrow? And they trust, yeah, this is the patient I need to see in my office. And they get them in really quickly. I had a patient actually just um, a couple of days ago that he had gotten a piece of wood, a pretty large wood splinter in his leg. And he actually had gone to an urgent care somewhere else. They tried to get it out comes to me a couple days later, but it's already inspected and swollen and, you know. So I was able to message one of our orthopedic doctors and just say, hey, what are your thoughts on this? I'm more than happy to kind of open it up a little bit more and see if I can get it out. But knowing it's wood, it's going to break apart. You know, what are your thoughts? And he said, you know, keep him on the antibiotics, add one more just to keep, you know, good coverage. And let me see him in the office tomorrow. And with an ultrasound, I'll be able to get it out. And I was like, great. So patient less happy. And and he was able to get it out the next day in his office. So I think those types of things are so important. Um, I don't know that every urgent care 
make the point to develop rapport in their community and develop those relationships. But I think it's a huge um, benefit on both ends. We have uh, specialties that will send patients to us on the weekend because mm-hmm. they're obviously not in the office. So it kind of goes both ways. Um, and I think it's a really good way for us to run things by them as well to say, hey, do you think this needs to go to the ER? This is a guy with chest pain. Here's what I see on his EKG. What do you see? Do you agree with me he needs to go to the ER or can you see him in the office on Monday morning? Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge um, benefit to making sure that patients are where they need to be. Right. Well, it takes time to set up those links and then to have trust in both ways. And then the communication is super important, you know, kind of spur of the moment like that. How, how did, how did you guys specifically work on that? Were they already established at the time you started to work uh, at the urgent care there? Or those were those things that you all um, worked to set up with those specialists? By the time I came in four years ago, I think a lot of them were set up. Mm-hmm. And so did Dr. Payman like go out and make relationships with people? He had already been working in the community for some time and he grew up in the area, so he had a lot of contacts previously. Mm-hmm. So we built on them ourselves as well. We had an ortho group that we kept getting negative reviews back from the patients, so we actively went out of the community and looked for another one that was able to help us immediately. And mm-hmm. they've been very, very responsive and getting our patients in even the same day, which is amazing. Um, so it's very important to get out there in the community, get to know the physicians who will take your patients right away. And I think you can go from like keeping them out of the ER and elevate and sort of preventing that elevation of level of care, but you can also do it the other way where you can promote relationships with their primary care. They come in, they ask us questions, you know, about, you know, their heart and their cholesterol and everything, and we help as best we can, but then you can also set them up with PCPs and, and just really help in both ways i really mm-hmm. find like we end up you know that we have the patient we decide basically our job is to help them as much as we can decide whether they can go home whether they can see their pcp whether they go to the specialist or er and when you have all of those options too it does keep a lot of the patients out of the er mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well it takes a time energy and effort to establish those links and then even during the visit to consider that you have, it's great to have those resources, but it also, it's better for the patient, but it increases the thinking that you have to do to, to figure out what the, ne- the best next step is. You had mentioned um, the issue of uh, nurse practitioners or PAs maybe having less experience doing there certain things. I, I think you guys there have a, kind of a prep process for people who haven't done urgent care before you're seeing patients independently. Can you describe a little bit about the the process at, at your group in terms of how you prepare uh, anybody coming into urgent care practice there who maybe hasn't done it before but wants to? What what kind of a oversight or process or uh, side by side work uh, occurs where you guys work uh, to help with that? So we have a very strong orientation process with all of our new practitioners and their. They're buddied with uh, another provider for up to a month, and then we evaluate whether or not they need more buddy time or they're good to go on their own for a little bit. Um, We like to start in the clinic where we have currently, our clinic here has three providers on at all times, so you're always with someone to ask questions, um, take over if you're feeling not confident in that area. 
and it's, it's worked really, really well. Um, we've set all of our providers up with um, the urgent care wrap, which is very nice. And um, we maybe we haven't used it yet, but we were contemplating doing the boot camp um, from the the hippo boot camp. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and their their stuff is very good to help the new new people as well as to do the CME stuff. And I think just going a little further on that there. We were talking about it um, a little bit where we were talking about how there's an emergency nurse practitioner certification, but not an urgent care nurse practitioner certification. Mm -hmm. so we really felt that that may be something that might help boost the confidence of people hiring as well as the nurse practitioners in general. Because a lot of them do that ER certification, but they really don't need that intense. It could be an urgent care certification. Mm -hmm. I have to say, Tyler mentioned that a couple of months ago, and I thought that was the greatest idea because I think that really urgent care is, it is such a unique specialty. And I mm -hmm. think unless you're in it, you don't really realize what a specialty it is. To be a generalist, mm -hmm. and to be excellent at it, it takes a set of skills and it takes um, quite a bit of experience and learning and growing to be to have enough information and knowledge about so many different things. Mm -hmm. um, so I love the idea. That was ever an option in the future to have like a nurse, I mean, an urgent care specialty certification. I think that's a great idea. Just well, I, I, I do know since you, since I talked to you all about that, that there has been at least one discussion between the folks at the urgent care association and the, the national nurse practitioner uh, association about that very fact. And, uh, position assistants have, um, mentioned that as well. They have starting to get some subspecialty or specialty certifications and they, they have one in emergency medicine as well. And you'd think, you know, probably an emergency medicine certification would qualify you to practice urgent care in terms of the worst things that you would see, right. of course, but there's a, there's a customer service I mean, being somebody who practices both emergency medicine and urgent care, I can tell you that I do it a little bit differently based on the venue because the expectation is different. I might know what to do with the medical problem, um, but it's more than that in, in both places, but it's different in urgent care than it is in the ED for sure. Um, I think that same thing applies to physicians as well. You know, you can be family practice trained or emergency medicine trained and come to urgent care and you know, a family practitioner is a generalist, but not necessarily an acute care generalist. Right. And an emergency physician is the acute care uh, generalist, maybe, but for more severe problems. And um, there might be some things or ways of doing things in urgent care that they're not accustomed to and what prepares them for that, um, not necessarily their training or, or certification. So it's a, it's a big issue in urgent care across the board um, and something that that's being worked on on a national level. So great that you guys are sensitized yeah. to that. Um, well, I, 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 I guess we could close. I know it's been for the short attention pan, uh, span, span listener, uh, maybe enough to process. I don't know. Is there anything, I have one final question for y'all, but if you, is there anything else you wanted to bring up or uh, highlight? We're, we're so honored that you would even ask us to be a part of this. So thank you so much for just having us on and just getting our, our thoughts and perspective. 
Well, thank you. The, the honor's mine. You guys had to do all the prep for it. Um, I just had to schedule it. Well, let me let me ask my closing question, which is a kind of a traditional one. And that is for each of you, based on your experience, what advice would you give listeners about how you feel like you've personally been able to achieve success and happiness in your careers and in life? What's your secret? Because you both seem very happy. <laughs> I think you have to experience some degree of joy in whatever it is that you're doing. Mm -hmm. And if you're not experiencing that, then you're probably in the wrong area. Um, and I think that everybody has to sit down at some point and really ask themselves the question, what was I made for? What was I made to do? Yeah. Um, and when you find whatever that is, really lean into it. Mm -hmm. Find the joy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kyle, how about you? Um, yeah, just coming to work every day, knowing that you're really helping out your community and the patients and knowing that when they left, you know, they're fully prepared to deal with whatever they came in with is really the biggest goal for me. That sounds great. I thought you were going to divulge the Canadian secret. <laughs> Everybody I know who's Canadian, just, I don't know. They just, I, I never wanted to be another from another country except Canada. I mean, a Canadian person. And just, Maybe you think it's just be super nice and say sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's just, it's Australians too, somewhat, or New Zealand, people from New yeah. Zealand, I think. It's just, I don't know, there's some balance and just sort of get it. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's so, the, socialized, the, the socialized medicine part of it, or right. I don't know. There's a little more uh, egalitarianism, I guess, in some cultures. But anyway. Um, well, thank you both very much. Appreciate the the time uh, you've taken to and the thought that you put into this. And um, I hope we'll get a chance to talk again. We'll at least see each other at conventions and keep up your good work there. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Be on the lookout for more conversations with more of the very interesting people from the past, present, and future of urgent care medicine on the Urgentology Podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions, please email me at jtoscano64 at gmail.com. And thank you again for listening.